And, you know, we ended up paying almost a quarter of a million dollars for those few generators. And it was, it was pretty... It was pretty wild because, you know, they were surprised that the money was going right into their pocket, right? They thought that we're going to put it in the demo scope, we're going to pay somebody to get rid of it. So in addition to the money that they made, they saved on the scope of getting it removed because that was part of my my proposal. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the CM Mentors Podcast. My name is Matt Graves. My host each week is Kyle Grandel. What's going on, Kyle? Hey, Matt. I'm just hanging out on the side. How about you? And I feel like it's uh, we have to play like where in the world is Kyle Grandel? Where are you at this week? Isn't it fun? <laughs> yeah, I'm cur- uh, currently in Ohio. I just don't say Nice, 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 yeah. nice. Weather nicer there than it was in Utah? Hey, man, it's pretty nice here. It's in like the 80s today, so I'll take it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, this week's guest, oh, man, it's the same place I always am. It's hot, as it always is. No rain. We haven't had rain in weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks it's dry and dusty so fun stuff all right all right anyway speaking of someone else who's hot hey lance this week's guest is lance Fiorama. he's the the vice president at factor x and his air conditioner just went out so he's here to talk california but it is warm in this room (laughs) oh geez He's here to talk to us about salvage, equipment salvage and resale. And I said, well, don't you have a bunch of uh, spare air conditioners out in the back? <laughs> Got too good at selling them. That was a problem. <laughs> hey, so Lance, so people who don't know who you are, you want to tell us who you are and kind of what Factor X is? Yeah, sure. My name is Lance Furiyama. I am the vice president of Factor X uh, based out of Gilroy, California. Um, and we primarily buy MEP salvage from commercial and industrial sites. Um, we focus in California, but we do uh, work across the country. Easy peasy. Easy. So just what is like, what is salvage, like equipment salvage? Because, I mean, we all done like remodel projects and you're always like left with this big generator. Like, what the hell do I do with this thing? And so. Just- yeah. OK. <laughs> so, I mean, in our eyes, we, we have a few categories that we primarily focus on. Um, it's backup generators, transformers, switchgear, and chillers. Um, you know, there's a pretty good second secondary market for it uh, once it's been removed uh, carefully from the site. A lot of times it creeps into the um, demo scope and you end up with just scrap metal by the time it's all said and done. <laughs> so, yeah, we I mean, we do work at the owner, uh, the GC owner's rep, and as well as the um, trade partner level. So... It just depends who's carrying the scope on removing the equipment. Are, are they a lot of permanent installs or is your equipment a lot of like temporary, um, you know, brought in during plant outages and when things go down, et cetera? Yeah. So a lot of them are permanent installs, but so like in California, we have a lot of emissions laws that like if I owned a building and it wasn't tiered correctly anymore and I wouldn't want to move that generator down the road, the air quality district isn't going to permit it for use again. So we end up with a lot of working equipment and whether it was a change in ownership on the property or a tenant moved out and that belonged to them, that that equipment's still good. It probably still has another 15 and 20 years of life. And up till recently, it was just getting scrapped. I mean, for the most part, people were emptying out the fuel and scrapping the motors. That's wild. So do you guys come and disconnect it and actually take it out or like say the electrician will take the transformer out and then you guys just can pick it up? Yeah, so we're, we're pretty flexible. I mean, we are actually a, um, a licensed electrical contractor in the state of California. 
Um, so we can self-reform a lot of the work. Um, ideally, I mean, it just depends on the situation. A lot of times they'll just say, give us a check and have a truck show up and we'll load you up. We're good to go. And, you know, for me personally in operations, that's the, that's the easiest deals that we have. But, you know, it just depends, right? A lot of it comes down to cost. And, you know, we are, as an electrical contractor, actually not even for hire. Uh, the reason we got our license was we couldn't find anyone to safe off when we had all the power outages. Mm. Everybody has um, contracts with the utility company. So when there's outages, they they jump that way, you know, with the contract. Interesting. So are you guys seeing a pretty good boom the last couple of years with how with all the lead times on electrical equipment? Um, we are on the sales end, on the procurement, yeah. and it's been tough, right, with the interest yeah. rates and just the way the market's been. People are afraid to make a move. I mean, you know, in, in tech, they've had probably hundreds of thousands of layoffs in the Bay Area in the last, I don't know, year or so. So, you know, even if somebody has the authority to say, let's get rid of this piece of equipment, everybody's just trying to lay low and not really rock the boat or make any waves, right? It's stay unseen at this point. <laughs> and and also on this, uh, in California as well, we're seeing a big shift in work from the private sector over to the public and infrastructure sector uh, with some GCs that I don't traditionally think of in that in that space, but that's where the money is right now. Well, we were doing a project a few years back, and I was wasn't really intimately involved in this part of it, but I remember overhearing it that we were doing some transformer changeouts, and the client had an old transformer. It was kind of a spare that they had. Uh, it was probably I don't know. It was older, right? It was kind of a couple of generations older. And it had been retrofitted or at least, you know, um, kind of serviced and cleaned up and whatnot. And they were saying, the electrical engineer was saying, like, there's a whole secondary market for those transformers because, one, they're lower cost than a brand new one, right? It's like a used car a little bit. You kind of mm -hmm. don't have the, the upfront sticker shock. But also, they're grandfathered in into some older codes because of their age of manufacture. You know anything about that? Is that true? Um, a lot of times we'll get them recertified, but it's um, it's really, it's it's as far as transformers go, I haven't seen a whole lot of um, just take it from A and put it into B. I mean, we work with some of our partners to make sure that it's still good to go because you don't know what the treatment, what the environment was where it sat before, right? I mean, that's a lot of liability to take on to save a few bucks. And, so and Matt, I just are y'all actually retrofitting them or? Yeah, yeah, we have partners that, depending on where we're picking up the units from, we send it out and get them recertified before they hit the market again. I got you. Go ahead, Kyle. Ask me about a silly code hey. question. Well, I was going to ask, Matt, where are you buying your used cars at? Because I see more sticker shock on used cars these days. Holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> are you kidding? Jesus. I, I Used cars are outrageous, man. Back in 21, I wanted to sell my wife's car and buy her just a beater car just because I was like, you know, everything was crazy. And just she kind of puts around town. She doesn't go on long trips or anything. If we go out of town, we take my truck. And uh, I just wanted to get her something to get around town in. And I was like, oh, everything, you know, the new cars will shake out. And, you know, in 22 or 23, we'll be able to buy you a new car for a hell of a deal because they'll flood the market, right? And the prices will be, they'll be given away. <laughs> I'm so glad we didn't do that because we had overpaid for a junker <laughs> and like still would have been in a bad spot. 
So anybody that thinks I can predict the economy and has asked me the economy questions of what I think the economy is doing, I don't have no clue. <laughs> Whatever Matt says, just do the opposite, and you'll probably nail it. 100%. Ask for market, advice Yeah, there you go. That's where I was headed with that. <laughs> just do exactly the opposite of what I do, and you'll be a millionaire overnight. So you get rich quick scheme right there. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> So, so Lance, so you were saying um, a lot of work in California. Do you guys do a, a lot of work outside of California too, or you know, kind of how does that work with your company? Yeah, so you know, we do. Right now, like I was just talking to somebody over in North Carolina, and you know, a lot of times when I make those bids, it'll I, I let them know, hey, it's a lot for me to mobilize from California. So my best offer that I can probably make is going to be with your contractors prepping it, your crane loading the truck, and you know, me providing you with as much money as I can. That's because mm -hmm. it's tough to be competitive coming from the West Coast when you're working, you know, in the South or Southeast. I totally understand it. Every job I go to, I'm traveling in. And so I'm always competing with local contractors, um, you know, in my bids. And I mean, it has to be a pretty case-by-case um, -case basis for me to even have a shot. You know, it has to there be a relationship there and some, you know, some some, some past history, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's in the historically, so if people weren't scrapping generators or other equipment, what they were doing was putting it out to these brokers who say, hey, that thing's worth two million bucks. And you're like, oh, wow, $2 million sitting in my backyard. And, you know, the thing is, they're not going to write you a check for two million, right? It's best case scenario, they find an end user that their timelines line up with what you guys are doing. And, you know, we what, how we really ended up in this space is we were doing uh, data center work, we're working more on servers, uh, racks and that type of stuff. And people kept asking us about generators and we kept looking at each other like, no, not, not really. I mean, that's, that's outside of our, you know, outside of our comfort zone. But if, if enough people ask you, you start to go, maybe we're <laughs> stepping over dollars to pick up pennies. I mean, we mm -hmm. really need to be paying attention here. So what was happening is they were getting these lofty goals for the generators and the transformers. And if that broker had made a deal with somebody else, an end user, the money was good. Um, the thing is, a lot of times the deal would fall through for whatever reason, you know, and you'd be stuck on the day that you're supposed to be loading it out and saying, oh, sorry, my offer is no good. It's actually 100000 And you're just beside yourself at that point, right? You're never going to talk to the person again, but you're in a position where you have to make a move. Mm-hmm. And that's it's just kind of been like a real unprofessional industry up to this point. So we're just trying to bring um, you know accountability. We make you an offer. We're writing the check ourselves. It's coming out of our account. We're not contingent on somebody else coming through. No, that's, that's smart. So y'all, I mean, you literally, you're paying cash, you get it, you bring it back, you retrofit it, then it's a whole other resale process. Right? It's a whole other, yeah, it's a whole other situation. If the deal turns out to be, not as lucrative as we thought. We're not coming back to you saying, oh, well, this and that. We inspected ourselves beforehand, so we know what we're buying. I mean, we we own our, our deals. Where do, I mean, where do most of your stuff come from? Is it from renovation type projects? Um, a lot of it is big moves. So like um, right now there's a big life sciences build, or there was up to last year going on in California. Um, so they were taking a lot of old data centers yeah. that, you know, with, with co-location becoming um, normal, a lot of these places had their own little data centers that they were supporting their users up to that point. So they were just 
old infrastructure, a lot of space, a lot of power coming in. So they were trying to retro that to life sciences. What does that mean? What's life sciences? Um, labs, research and development. Oh, um, oh, oh, those type of projects. Pharmaceuticals, okay. yeah. I see, okay. Right. Do you guys typ Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, who's your typical customer? Is it an owner, a general contractor, a subcontractor? Um, it, it really varies across the board, but it's typically the general contractors now. Um, in the past, we were finding about finding out about the deals as we were driving around. <laughs> but then it's already been put in the demo scope or the electrical scope. Um, so we started getting out ahead of it with the project managers and project execs and estimators on the other side saying, hey, you know, when you guys are going to bid on this thing, here's kind of a number that you could plug in. And picture you like the American pickers driving around in your van saying, hey, you, they, got a, they got a transformer over here. They got a generator over there. Let's make a deal. <laughs> you, man, you'd be surprised how many job sites I went in and they were not, not too thrilled to see me that day. I have a tendency to find people on their worst day. <laughs> I, I said, it's, luckily I have bad hearing and a short memory. So that's <laughs> <laughs> all <laughs> But I bet you get a call back though, whenever they get down there, like, all right, what the hell are we going to do with this generator or something? It, it, yeah, you'd be surprised. And, you know, really it's it's simple business for us, right? We just work within their timelines. If There's been a couple of opportunities we've had to pass on where there was big money to be made, but I wasn't sure if we could get it done in time. So we just said, I, I realistically don't know if I can get it get it out in, you know, three days or whatever it is. We, we try as much as we can, but our main thing is to not delay a project or hold anybody up because we know that with some of the scheduling, everybody's just stacked on each other waiting to go. Mm-hmm. Hey Lance, can can you kind of help maybe a little bit um, for the listeners to understand what does a process look like if um, if a GC got you involved and if you know somebody was interested in their in reselling reselling their equipment or you know what is what was that actually look like you know what when would you get involved and what would you guys actually do? Um, so ideally, we'd get involved on the the bid and estimate side. Um, that way, we're able to really have time to. You know, ideally for us, we're selling the unit from the site, right? That's just one less crane, one less truck, less storage on my side. So if I can get out ahead of it, I can provide better pricing because I'm already factoring in that I'm not incurring those extra costs. So it's as early as possible. I would say contact us when you're bidding out the job. Um, we'll give you the numbers. And if you win, then we start working with you when you put your schedule together. And then we were typically pretty involved with the superintendents once that's been assigned and just making sure that our schedules, um, it, typically for a generator, we're in and out within three to, three to five days. And that's whether it's, you know, if it's, we're talking like two meg generators on the smaller ones can be out in a couple of days. But, you know, like there was a project we did once where we got in pretty late and I, I don't remember, I won't mention any names on my team. I don't remember who got the deal. But I, I flew down to Burbank uh, in Southern California. It's supposed to be an easy crane pick. I get there and all of the concrete and asphalt's been torn off. <laughs> so I, I get there, you know, the morning of the pick, I'm looking around saying, what happened here? And, you know, we just had the toughest scheduling because the we weren't directly in communication with the superintendent on the job. We were working through... Mm -hmm somebody else. I can't remember who the third party was, but it got really messy, right? So they had to go in, pack it back in, make enough of a pad for us to um, get a crane in there. And it was it was just a 
I think there was also a rainstorm that was out of nowhere in the middle of summer. It's just the craziest day. So, you know, we're really big on working with the superintendents and PMs to make sure that that's not happening because I'm sure somebody was pissed off about the cost. It's funny. It doesn't matter what aspect of construction you're in. It's all the same problems. It's all coordination, communication. If you don't talk to the right person at the right time and somebody acts, you know, says, yeah, 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 just go get the asphalt out now. It's fine. We'll rip out the concrete. Like we're good. And then it's just, it's a domino effect for them. And then it took you probably, it could take you an extra day, which affects the next guy, the next guy, the next guy, the next guy. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. I think they just tried to jump the schedule for the next Monday because it was a holiday or something. And uh, I don't know what happened, but after that one time, it's never happened again. We've really gone out of our way to make sure we're talking to the right people that are managing the project. Yeah. Unfortunately, too, what I see sometimes is even like with general contractors team, like the general, if you're talking to the general superintendent for the project, the main superintendent mm-hmm. for the project, and he understands the plan, but especially if it's a holiday, he may take the week off, right? But he mm-hmm. goes, this is the plan. So the assistant superintendent's in charge. The asphalt guy comes in early and says, hey, man, can I just start a day early? He's like, Hell yeah, everybody's gonna be proud of me. I got done a day early. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I'm sure that's what happens. <laughs> so it's it's funny. Like sometimes you think you're doing the right thing and you end up screwing somebody up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So back to Kyle's question, you know, we we make the deal, we start figuring out the logistics, um, see who's carrying the crane, who's carrying the removal of it and all of that stuff. And once that's been figured out, we pay and we come in, do our work, and we're out of your hair. And um you know, as much as the money, a lot of times people are requesting the weights and, um, you know, things for landfill diversion goals. So that's actually been almost as important as money in some cases. I mean, rather than just chopping it on site, they, you know, now they're saying we diverted 50,000 pounds from recycle or the landfill by reuse. And I mean, I'm not smart enough to know what that what happens from there, but I know they seem pretty happy about it. <laughs> is that, I guess it's playing into their lead goals or their sustainability, um, green building goals and stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, it certainly would. They get some credits that apply towards that certification. So that's that's pretty cool. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Who's your so, Lance. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Who's your typical customer <laughs> on the... Man, we were all over ourselves today. <laughs> who's your typical customer on the resale side? Like, who's buying? I mean, because I mean, no project ever been on. We've brought in a used generator or used transformer, you know, typically. Yeah, yeah. A lot of my buyers are in markets that honestly don't have the same emissions laws. So, um, I mean, it's it's been a pretty wide range. It's been I've had a farmer, um, farmer buy a few generators. I had a guy with a cattle ranch. I guess he said when he he can't afford to have the power go out once he's done his work with his his cattle (laughs) he said pre-cooked isn't the way to go and um we've even had people that were doing like groceries and and other things i mean people are always in the market for used stuff as long as you can say that it came from a decent environment and provide service records interesting so then do you guys and sorry if you already answered it do you guys actually do you do this servicing yourself too then and and, and like like refurbish or you know recondition it um we do some of it i mean we have partners just because the infrastructure that you require to do that it's yeah you know if, if i build a, a place in california i'll end up buying all of the generators in texas if I, <laughs> it just never i'm always chasing my tail on that end so yeah we have partners that we work with on that end okay um you know a story is, is we just actually did a deal um 
and you know it was a uh, supposed to be a part of the demo scope. There were three generators there, and um, you know the data center tenant moved out, and the owner was like, "I want this place for storage, and I just want to keep the the main power intact, right? The transformers and the lineup." And you know we ended up paying almost a quarter of a million dollars for those few generators, and it was it was pretty it was pretty wild because you know they were surprised that the money was going right into their pocket, right? They thought that. We're going to put it in the demo scope. We're going to pay somebody to get rid of it. So in addition to the money that they made, they saved on the scope of getting it removed because that was part of my my proposal that we handle and self-perform all of that work. It was like a double win. It was a double win for them. And, you know, they were they're pretty cool to work with. It was, you know, everybody's in a good mood when you have money in your pocket. <laughs> and I mentioned, too, if they get you in early, you know, they can factor that into their bid. So if they don't, you know, if they're factoring into the bid, it makes it more competitive because not only are they saving $50,000 worth in the demo cost or mm -hmm. whatever the demo fee is, you're also paying on top of that $250,000. So they're net yeah. $300,000, I mean, play numbers, but that they can be a little bit more competitive in. So, yeah, you know, we try to just make everybody look good. I said a lot of times we're, you know, we, we can go in with just whatever logo or whoever we're working under if you want to give us some vests we'll throw on your vest i mean we're not out there to be seen we're just there to do the work and, and get the stuff that's pretty cool man private label <laughs> <laughs> private label transformer removal there you go so what's the craziest story you have from doing all this stuff i'm sure you've you've seen some crazy guys had some been crazy projects Oh man, I mean, other than safety violations from some of the contractors that we're working around, I'm not gonna <laughs> go into those stories, but um, you know, one of the stories actually wasn't we weren't really involved in, we were on site, but um we did see somebody they were about to load a um cooling tower onto a roof, and I think that they had estimated the weight wrong, so they picked it up and the guy was carrying the moving the tagline and he the thing broke right into the bushes, oh. fell down. I think it was a uh, 35,000 pounds. I think they had it estimated at like 10,000 pounds or something. So the crane was going off beep, beep, beep. And, you know, people were still like pushing through. So, you know, this was uh, actually next door to one of our projects. So I was just being nosy watching because you hear that beeping and you start paying attention. And um, yeah, the guy fell into the bushes, but they thought that he was under the cooling tower. <laughs> And, um, you know, I went to that job site the next day to just, you know, we, we had our crane coming in. And I just wanted to make sure that there were no issues with access. And I looked at their board and it still said no lost time injuries, no near misses, no. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder about those boards. You know, I'm pretty sure most of them are crap. I mean, it's uh, uh, hard, to, hard to say what a near miss is, I guess, in some people's eyes. I would imagine a 35,000 pound cooling tower <laughs> falling into the bushes is a pretty near miss, but I'm not a safety guy. Well, I would say so. And I, I've been on sites where they escalate something like that to an incident level um, because mm -hmm. of a certain amount of damage, or it could be a certain amount of time that has to be investigated. I mean, for those, those incidents that yeah didn't come near to hurting somebody per se, but there was a substantial yeah. cost impact. Oh, that would have shut like every job site I've ever been on. That would have shut down the job site. Like, oh, absolutely. Like safety stand down. Like, even if you're not even working on that stuff, safety stand down. We're gonna figure out what the hell just happened. Like, it's, that GC's gone so fast. 
it, it wouldn't even be a, a, a discussion. They'd be gone. They would if yeah, somebody would be gone. You know, yeah, they're pretty wild. They were pretty wild over there. I mean, honestly, what I think happened is I think it was the um, the owner of the like the the tenant was in charge of their own little thing, and I think that's what happened. I mean, you can't be that off and have that happen and continue working. So they, <laughs> they pre-filled it full of water or something. Like that. <laughs> hey, so where's yeah, my but... favorite part of the podcast where you guys ask me who my favorite trade is? Uh, we uh, yes. I think it's an I think it's the electricians, man. No, Yay. come on. I knew there was a bad reason I got you on here. <laughs> All right. All right. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Now we're having fun. And actually, you just reminded me of something I've been wanting to do and I haven't been doing it because you're here, Lance. I'm going to do it. All right. And so y'all distract each other. Keep talking while I pull up a meme. And we're going to make Kyle describe a meme to everybody who listens and doesn't watch. Oh, so, no. Kyle, how does it feel to come in and clean up after everybody before? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's what I always do, even as a construction manager. <laughs> and the, the part of the problem, though, is when I'm in early, too, so that I'm cleaning up my own mess. <laughs> so. <laughs> Who the hell did this? Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was me. Oops. Man, that's true. I actually just listened to your um, podcast on the Hall of Fame. Oh, did you? How was it? It was good. It was good. Good. You know, I want to hear the backstory. I always call it the origin story just to be an ass, but I, I like hearing those stories of, you know, you see the, the not even the finished product because we're all still works in progress, but you get to you know, hear, hear some of the struggles, hear some of the journey and, you know, realize that everybody's kind of going through that same thing when you're getting started. Oh man, it's so tough. They're, they're, I mean, everybody talks about it, but I, I just got, it, it's almost like every week I just learn more and more. And it's just, just a reminder of how much, how far you've come. And uh, but the hardest part for me is just celebrating the little little wins. I mean, because, mm -hmm. you know, you're in the thick of it all the time. And so those little things that, yeah, it's actually a little victory. You kind of don't, don't really realize it. You don't take the time to appreciate it. You just move on to the next thing. Yeah. So I'm trying to work on that for myself. Pause and enjoy, right? Yeah. Well, you have to. It's, it's, it's a journey. It really is. Yeah. Matt's looking hard for that meme. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> how, long, how long have you been in construction, Lance? Um, well, I've been in with Factor X. We've so we've gone through a different. We've spun off some divisions and done some other things, but I've been with them for about thirteen years. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Thirteen years. I'm fifteen years old. <laughs> <laughs> Lance, I'll be honest. Whenever I first saw you and met you, first time we did a video chat, I didn't know if you were 15 or 50. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take that for whatever that is. I still try to spit my ID in the face of um, cashiers whenever I'm trying to buy alcohol. But, you know, it used to be funny, right? And now it's kind of like, they're like, no, you're good. I'm like, wow. Like, come on. <laughs> a little too easy, with a little too quick with that. I said, isn't it if you're like 60 or under, you're supposed to be checking my ID? <laughs> a little hurtful, a little hurtful. They probably get it all day. Well, it happens. I've got. I'm getting some gray coming in now. So whenever mine gets gets checked, I'm like, "You're kidding me, right?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hey, you know, I, I mean, I've connected with both of you on LinkedIn. So I mean, how's that been for you guys? I mean, let's flip the script a little bit. How has that been for you guys in your endeavors? I mean, it's it does take a little bit of time to stay engaged. 
And, you know, I've, I've been learning so much that I found that that's where the real value for me is, right? Like meeting people, but also learning and understanding a little more about what everybody else's like hot topics and struggles are. I've really appreciated LinkedIn. Um, like I, I really got on it kind of selfishly, honestly, because I was building a newsletter and I was mm -hmm. like, hey, after you advertise this thing. So I got on there just really to sort of like build that up and like, you know, and I tried posting it on like Reddit and I got like chirped off Reddit. I got it. I got on like Instagram and TikTok. I tried to like just start putting it in places and like, and like, I think for especially any sort of like honest construction talk, or at least like more than just memes and funny videos, a construction talk, like mm -hmm. LinkedIn is the place to go. Um, you can go to Reddit if you just want to hear everybody bitch about their job and all that sort of stuff, or you can go to, you know, Instagrams are all, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag, but Instagrams where I get a lot of my memes from. And so <laughs> that's good for that, but there's not a lot of good conversation happening there, you know? And so you don't really, and you don't, I mean, everyone's behind, you know, a profile, right? You don't really, you know, I don't know. You can say whatever you want and have no repercussions, right? Let's yeah. See. Like I, I know who Kyle Grandel is. I meet Kyle Grandel over there. I met, you know, uh, electrician kitty memes. And so it's different. But anyway, I've enjoyed. Well, I've met a lot of really cool people. Well, and for me, so I, I've I've been on LinkedIn for oh, I I don't know 12, 12, 13, 14, 15 years maybe like like a long freaking time, and mm -hmm. I didn't really use it for the longest time. I mean, I had it there. I had a profile. I probably I don't even I don't even think I had a picture for the longest time. But it's just parked like, your resume, like, right? Yeah, basically, and in a very crummy one too. It was like a one <laughs> sentence, and maybe the year of where I work, and maybe even the place I worked wasn't right. I don't know, but it was a terrible resume. And then uh, a couple of years ago, um, started getting serious about you know really trying to grow the company and stuff. I uh, talked with Shelly. If, if you listen to the previous episode, Shelly Peterson, she's my my marketing and promotion uh, consultant. But she was like, Kyle. Uh, your stuff sucks. Like <laughs> you got to start doing a lot better. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. So put a lot of time and effort into getting the profile spiced up and got the website going and really started to understand the branding side of things. And it's just crazy how, how I mean, it's only been a year or two now, how fast things can grow and take off. And I'm not even saying necessarily business overall. There's been some of that too, but just like the branding, the awareness, the meeting people, um, I met some people in South Carolina who just happened to be there for a work trip and I was LinkedIn friends with them and they were kind of some, you know, some, some big names in the industry and bumped Shut into them. Shut them out, man. Who was it? Yeah. Oh, I, I, Adam Hoots and Hoots. Angela Gardner. Yeah. Hoots on the ground, baby. Um, yeah. So, you know, met him at, at an event that he was, he was a guest speaker at and, um, and I bumped into Angela and met some other folks as well. And it's just like, it was just super cool to meet them. And that led to another event is the next gen um, uh, speakers event. I spoke at with uh, uh, another group of folks, uh, guys from uh, next, ne you know, the next gen leaders, uh, uh, Lane Foundations, Lane Foundations podcast, uh, oh, yeah. super cool guys. And uh, yeah, went to an event with them and spoke. So it's just, you know, the networking and stuff. It's just, you don't even know where it's going to take you. And now somehow I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> Funny how that works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just the meeting. Actually, I mean, it's LinkedIn, right? You're supposed to be building your network and all this sort of stuff, but like, it's actually good at it. 
and but you actually have you can't be a stalker you know everyone goes on there and just sits in the corner and just watches or just you know consumes you actually have to engage you have to like start commenting people's posts like put out thoughtful material put out engaging material um and it's once you kind of start building get into the ecosystem and start building stuff then like i'll go in there and just put a post and ask a question like a general question i have and like hey i think i had, know the answer to this but that's kind of want to pull the crowd right and i'll get a whole lot of responses and it'll either confirm what i thought or i'm like oh man i was looking at it wrong and like because people like may have changed my mind and so yeah. it's it's changed actually, my mind <laughs> they have actually in some stuff you know where i'm like i'm not going to admit it on a podcast but it has worked <laughs> All right. So um, while, while I'm in the question seat, you know, um, you know, Matt, you've been really big with with your with the podcasting, with your newsletter and, um, you know, Kyle, with building your business. What advice would you have given yourself like the 2021 version of yourself, like just lessons? Because, you know, there are people that are watching you, people that are wanting to do the same thing in some capacity. Like what are some of the the lessons that you've learned along the way that might help somebody else that's listening to this? Um, I've got two lessons probably. One is I'm going to steal the phrase from Jesse. Just do the damn thing. Mm -hmm. um, I've, all, I've told myself a hundred times like, oh, I want to do this or I'm going to do this. I mean, you say 2021 version of myself. Go back to like the 2015 version of myself, the 2013 version of myself. You know what I mean? Forever. Like, yeah. I've had ideas and things I've always wanted to do and for one reason or another, I just never pulled the trigger and did it. And so just, just do it and see what happens. Um, but then two, it's a, actually a, a phrase. I'm, it's two phrases I've stole one from Jesse, which I think he stole from somebody. And one I'm still from Kyle and Kyle, I'm, gonna, I'm really good at butchering things on this podcast, yeah. but it was a phrase, you know, it was a phrase you said, it was something like, you know, you'll go fast alone, but you'll go further together. Hmm. Is that right? Yep. Yep. That's pretty wow. much it. And it's, it's kind of, cause I've always just wanted, like, when I start doing it, like, I just want to do it by myself. Like, I'm just going to do the thing by myself, but then when you never do it or two, it's like, yeah, like, you know, when I never would have done this podcast, it wasn't for Kyle. And he, I know he would never have done it for me. It's kind of vice versa. Right. We kind of forced ourselves to do it together. But also like, if you have the right partnership, like one plus one can equal three. Like you can really leverage each other and leverage each other's strengths to get a lot better. And so um, I would say just do it and just don't go alone. So. Love it. I like it. Yeah. So, so Lance, to answer your question, so, and sim, uh, similar um, along this, along this theme, on these lines, I've been thinking about putting some tent out there and I got a few different points, but I'll, I'll give just a couple here. Uh, just in case I end up putting that content out there and there's in the people show some interest. So, so I would say, you know, one of, one of my big ones is, is about rejection and just not, you know, not taking it personally. Um, especially if you want to grow a business and if you want to succeed at something that other people may not want you to succeed at, or they just don't know who you are, you're going to get rejected. You're, you're going to get banks to turn you down for reasons. You're going to have clients not want you for projects. You're going to have, uh, people that you want to hire so they don't want to come work for you. Rejection is just part of it. So not taking it personally and moving past that and not letting it get to you on a personal level and affect your emotions, affect your day to day. You know, that's a really big thing. It's, you know, it, it's that whole adage of don't take it personal. And there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of parts of business, of course, that, that I mean, they really are personal, but there's just some things that, 
you know, physically for your energy, you just can't take it personal. And it, for me, you know, some lessons I've learned, rejection is one of those. Um, another one, and I would say, honestly, probably my biggest one is don't let perfection hold you back. Um, uh, yeah. there's, there, there's always a constant pursuit of perfection. I mean, that's just how, how high performers are. But sometimes if you, if you don't achieve it, it can actually have an opposite effect. It can affect you negatively, which means your baseline will actually drop. And you might even start performing at a bad level versus a good one. So, so I, it's always good to strive for perfection, but not everybody is going to feel the same way you, you do about it. And so everybody has different standards. And so once you start to really understand that, you start to realize, okay, this person has different strengths. Maybe it's not the way I would do this, but it'll still get the job done and the customer is going to be happy. So you know what? Maybe it's okay. Maybe it's fine. Mm. You know, you know, kind of learning and working through those things, because that was tough for me, is I'm very much um, a, I dive into something and I just want to grab a hold of it and I want to do it and see it all the way through. And so if somebody else comes in and wants to take it over and do it differently, it makes me uncomfortable. And I'm like, I don't know. But nine times out of 10, it'll still get the job done. And it'll also still accomplish whatever the customer wants to be successful. So me in a in more of a project manager, program manager role that I'm in right now, it's, it's, it's one that I'm learning a lot too, is I got to trust other people um, that, that I hire that are qualified you know, to do their jobs. So don't let perfection hold you back is the ultimate you know, punchline there. That's huge. I mean, I'm still learning that. It's Yeah, working, it's working tough. It's tough, man. So what's the advice you'd give yourself, Lance? Oh, you know, I was just asking questions over here. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. We ask the questions. <laughs> <laughs> you don't deserve it. <laughs> I deserve it. You know, um, I think that for me, the biggest thing is just being authentic. I mean, that a lot of people think that that means like, I mean, I'm crazy, right? I I'm, I say what it's, what's on my mind. I don't really hold back a whole lot. And that's been a recent change like before if i talk to you or send you an email or whatever i was the original chat gpt i mean you're like did a computer write this thing because there's no there's no personality there's no warmth behind it it's just straight facts like as if you're looking up you know something <laughs> looking up some records i mean it's it's been fun it's it's a lot easier to just be yourself and not try to be perfect like kyle was saying for me it was a a worry of if man if these people you know, sometimes I'll joke, sometimes it's a bomb. It's, it's Sometimes it's the bomb, sometimes it's a bomb. But, you know, it's it's just being me. And I'm, I've carried that over to my personal life, you know, being a lot more vulnerable with my family, my kids, my wife. It's Life's just good. I mean, it's it's a lot easier when you embrace the things that make you you. I love it, man. Well, that's... That's definitely true. And that's something else, too, that Shelly was really good talking about is, you know, that the branding side of things. We work in a human centric environment in construction and honestly, every, every industry. It's run by humans. Right. We're all human beings. So you got to just really embrace that. And that's what people connect with. And that's what grows networks. It grows relationships. I mean, that's what makes us who we are. Yeah. People do business with people. Right. I mean, yeah, that's that's really what it is. When you have a fondness for a certain trade partner or a contractor it's not the name that's on the door it's the people that you work with 100 yeah and it's, i mean that's what makes or breaks a project too like you can have the best company but mm -hmm. if it's the worst team it's gonna be a failure right or you could have a crappy company but if they have their a plus team on it hey you know it could be a successful project so it's all about yeah. the people yeah you know the, the thing that really got to me was um when i first 
started getting into this environment, what really threw me is that everybody's so emotionally charged all the time, right? I mean, it's it's a powder keg and one thing has to go wrong and somebody's yelling till they're red in the face. And I'm like, wow, this is different. Like I've never really seen this as an adult, like people just going crazy. And, you know, I'm not sure if I was talking to Jesse or somebody else, but a lot of it is you get promoted because of your production as an individual on a smaller team. And you're just not equipped to, to deal with the stresses and the responsibility of, you know, you don't want to mess it up. You've worked hard to get there and, you know, people just blow up. They can't, they can't help it. I mean, there's been a lot of change, at least with the thought leaders on LinkedIn and some of the, the different divisions within construction. But, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that people start to really get down to the ground level and, and impart that it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to have a personality. It's okay to make a mistake as long as you own it and learn from it. Because people are so quick to point the finger that I, I'm like, yeah, I made a mistake. I own that. And then that's it. Fix it and it's done. It's pretty simple. <laughs> exactly. Everybody's waiting for you to like point the finger when you're just like, right. yeah, I got it. I fixed it. You're like, yeah, but I want to yell at you because you pointed, you know, like it's done. It's fixed. <laughs> you know, just move yeah. On. It diffuses quickly. So you're in, you're in Jesse's emotional bungee jumpers, aren't you? I am. I am. I signed up. I didn't even know what I was doing. I just, it <laughs> sounds like, it sounds like fun. Me and Chris Gutkey's the Island elevator guy. We were in his trial group, like whatever. He's just like, Hey, he just like put us in this group or some sort of mentorship group. Or like, I didn't know. And I was like, peer group is what he called it. And I was like, hey, I'll do a peer group. And the first thing he's like, I want to try something with y'all. And we went through it and I was like, what the hell is this guy doing? And, uh, <laughs> but it was cool. It was really, it was like a really cool experience. We did it a few times. We met through probably two or three times, and it was, it was really cool. I think he wanted to use us as crash test dummies before he took it to market, but, and we were the still dummies. Still alive, still alive. <laughs> it worked out okay. So how, how's it going for you? It's, it's been good. I mean, you know, for me, the big thing that I've struggled with my entire life, and you can ask my wife, is I, I can apologize for something. I can take feedback, but there's always a but, right? I'm sorry about that, but, or, you know, that, yeah, I, get, I see what you're saying, but, and like really just being able to work through that and being able to take feedback and shut the hell up and just take it for what it is, right? I mean, what what I put out versus how somebody received it can be two different things, whether it's with intention, right? So they may think I meant to be a jerk or meant to put them on the spot or make them look bad in front of somebody. And even though I didn't mean to do that, that's how they received it. So it's if that's how you made them feel then that's the, that's the truth of what happened I, I always tell my kids there's a thousand versions of you in this world you know everybody has a different interaction with you a different a different um perspective of you depending on what you put out to them and what their relationship is to you so i said you know you just have to be mindful that there's people out there that aren't going to like you because that's just what it is you're not everyone's not going to like you and you just have to accept it but you have to Treat people with respect and do the best that you can. Well, and 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 Matt, I think we've talked about it before, but is, isn't there a saying in the industry too, especially you know a, a service-based industry about customers won't remember how much money you save them on the project, they won't remember um, how well you kept things on budget or on time, but they will remember how you made them feel. Like mm -hmm. that's what drives relationships in you know in our, our services-based based world. I mean, construction we're building things, but it's still services-based. Yes, it definitely is. And in theory, really, like anybody can build your building, right? Anybody can be your construction manager. It's experience you give them along the way, right? Was it a 
yeah. a total pain in your ass. Did you everybody go kicking and screaming? The building still got built, but it was an enjoyable experience, right? And so, and that's what everybody remembers is more of the experience than, yeah, they're going to be have this building unless it's a lemon and everything's falling apart, right? <laughs> um, in theory, it's everybody can do it. So, all right. With that said, I finally have a meme. It's better be a good one, man. <laughs> no kidding. I think we lost half the audience. Uh, we went from zero to zero. So. <laughs> to negative zero. <laughs> All right. Drum roll. My Did only you? problem is I don't know how to share a screen. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> well, you can print it out and mail it to Factor X at <laughs> And For anybody listening, I apologize. This probably won't be cut out either, so I double, I double apologize. It's 100% not going to be cut out. <laughs> well, there we go. All right, Kyle. <laughs> you have to describe the meme to the audience that's listening. Okay, so what we have here is it looks to be a trailer home with a pontoon as the platform, <laughs> which is totally badass, by the way, if I can say so myself. And then coming off of this pontoon is the steps down to the grass. And we have this lovely caption that says, you need a permit to build a deck. You don't, however, need a permit to park a boat. Well said. They're probably in the flood zone. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this quick escape vehicle. Oh, nice. That could be my future home, by the way. So let's just. Um, I mean, you didn't even mention they have a barbecue grill there and a cupboard, an awning. Oh, I can't see it because the screen's small. Oh. You know, that's probably at like 2.5 million in the Bay Area. <laughs> <laughs> Just the addition, too. Mm -hmm. Nothing to resell on this lot, is there? Not all by the boat. <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't a complete failure. Thanks for playing along in our first, in our first Kyle Describe the Meme segment. That could be a, happy that could be a classic. I'm happy to do it, but we haven't actually talked about football in a while either, Matt. So we probably need to bring that into the mix here. We did. We haven't talked about football since the, well, it was the Super Bowl, and Marty had no power, and we were trying to kill time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we uh, we were interviewing the president of the company I work for, and the power went out. His internet went out. He was having to re rewire the modem or something, yeah. and so he just kept coming in and out. We're like. Uh, and we, I kind of advertise it to our company too. So there's people watching, and I'm like, otherwise I would have just like stopped it and like, we'll just do it tomorrow. And like, no, we're live. And he kept coming in and out. And I'm texting him, and he's super frustrated. He can't get in. And so we're just like, hey, so the uh, the Eagles, right? Uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, this part of the podcast, once you hit that 40 minute mark, I call it the deep tracks. You're always correct. I always stick around. You never know what you're going to find. But. You never know. So now we're going to have a meme segment at the end so that everybody hangs around is going to have the uh, that little teaser. I oh, think next brilliant. time we should probably print the meme out the week before, mail it to Kyle, and have him open it on the podcast. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> Except I'm probably not going to remember until 30 minutes into the recording again. Or so. know where he is. <laughs> Where in the world is he? Won't know where he's going to be next week. So, no, and and I'm just going to screw with Matt and say, oh no, I can't find it in my inbox. It's not here. 
<laughs> well, it's been fun, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, man. Um, is there any other little tidbits of salvage you want to throw at the people? Um, no, I'll just say check us out at factorx.com. Um, you know, we do also have other uh, lines of business that we work with. We work with like manufacturing and industrial, but uh, my personal focus has been on the the g- general contractor and trade partner side. You know, it's it's a lot longer for the deal cycles, but I, I get it. I get what they're trying to do. I get what everyone's trying to accomplish. So it's just, it's a lot simpler than working with like a, a facilities manager or somebody that doesn't know exactly the whole scope of what their business is trying to do versus me coming to a project and everybody having relatively clear objectives and timelines. So it's, it's fun. I, I enjoy the world of, I, I like getting yelled at now and then too. It's, you know, my, it makes you feel alive. Get, yeah. My wife and I get along really well. So I, I need a toxic <laughs> yelling every, every now and then from some random superintendent. <laughs> So people sometimes want to get... people call me. Hey, sometimes people call me and they're yelling at me and I can't get a word in. I tell them they called the wrong guy. I, I get like <laughs> five minute yelling at, and uh, yeah, it's just it's it's good for the soul. It's good to get yelled at sometimes. So I got your phone number now. So whenever you don't feel like you've been yelled at enough, get, just let me know and I'll give you a call. Sounds good. Huh? Sounds good. Good deal. Hey, give so it to Kyle get... too. He might need it. I will. <laughs> So people want to get in touch with you and connect with you. How can they find you? Um, they can find me on LinkedIn, Lance Furiyama, or you can email me at Lance, L-A-N-C-E, at FactorX.com. That's F-A-C-T-O-R and the big letter X.com. So did Elon steal X from you guys or how did it go? Did it go around? You know, I tried to tried to take him to court, but for some reason I couldn't afford the battle. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Lance, it was fun, man. We'll talk to you later. All right, yeah, guys. Yeah, great to meet you. Thanks.